Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our South Shore campus pastor, Hector Rivera, closes out our series titled Mistaken Identity. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. How's everybody doing today? Come on, can we give some love to our South Shore and Plant City campuses? We love you. Can we continue in that love and adoration for our lead pastors, Greg and Tamara Dumas as well, Pastor? We love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. I appreciate the opportunity that I get to bring the message. So pastors, thank you so much for extending the platform to the teaching team. And I'm just so, so grateful that I get to land this series. We are in a series called Mistaken Identity. But before we get into all of that, can we go ahead and gather for prayer? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I, Lord, as always, Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me a message. Lord, you've birthed something in me. Father, I have studied, I have prayed, I have fasted, I have sought counsel. Many hours, Father God, have I placed before you. Lord, I want to pray a bold prayer today, Lord God. I want to pray that you would do like David, Lord, and extend that time, Father God, that you, would, that you would slow down the sun, if you will, Father God. Extend the time so that we can gain ground on the enemy, so that we can further the kingdom of God. And I thank you, Lord. I ask you to move, Father God, through me, Lord, that I may move out of the way and hear you preach to your people, and that includes me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So as I mentioned, we are in a series called Mistaken Identity. Now we've had some amazing, amazing speakers. We had, we actually had our very own Pastor Stephen Robles kick off CRT, okay, on first Wednesday. He did an amazing job, didn't he? Critical race theory, we had our lead pastor in the saddle. We also had Dr. Christopher Yuan. It's been a powerful, powerful month. Now, this mistaken identity is this, we're, we're having an identity crisis. Can we agree we're having an identity crisis? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We need to understand the times and the culture and know how to engage, but not just engage. We have to engage our culture in truth and in love. Right. You see, our culture can be different and people change, but our identity should always remain. The identity I speak of is Christ and Christ alone. So because people do change and culture clearly has changed, then we must know our identity so that then we can engage people through relationships so we can communicate in love the truth of the promise of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me say that again. Let me, let, me, let me rewind, replay, let me do that again. Because people do change and our culture clearly has changed, We must know our identity in Christ so that we can engage people through relationship. So that then we can communicate in love the truth that leads to the promise of Jesus Christ. It's very important. That relationship piece is very important. I'd like to start with a a couple of examples a little different. I didn't ask my wife for permission, amen. The Bible says that when you get married, you become two in one, so I don't need to ask permission. I just ask myself for permission whenever I need to say something, amen. No, no, I asked her for permission. I did, I asked her for permission, amen. I asked her for permission, amen. You see, my wife and I are night and day. 
She, she, she has a way of, of, of recharging differently than, than I recharge. She, she likes to go to a quiet place and kind of relax. It's, it's, it's kind of weird to me <laughs> because I recharge a little differently. I like to be in everything and just walk around with dynamite sticks blowing everything up. <laughs> I thought everybody was like me, crazy. She tells me, baby, you're too much. I think it's a nice way of her saying I'm a little crazy. I usually say she's my daily Sabbath. I try to remind her I Sabbath on Friday. I don't need a Sabbath every day. You know, she slows things down, but she perfectly slows me down. Something I didn't know I actually needed because I'm always doing stuff. See, we encourage each other through our differences because we have relationship. She recently asked me a question. She said, you know, you tell a lot of people how much you love them. She says, why is that? And, and it wasn't that she, she doesn't love people because she does. She has a bigger heart than me. But she asked me, she said, why do you tell people you love them all the time? And, and now we, we talked about many things, so I never could get back to the question, but I had the answer immediately when she asked it. Simply Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is why it's so easy for me to love. If Christ can show this kind of love for me and you, then I can clearly show love for people no matter what differences we may have. I can speak in love. That's hard for some of us to do. I can show love, and I can walk in love alongside the people. You see, that sacrifice done in love leads us to a very special promise. I want to say that love is not love as our culture now seems to claim it as a form of love or a kind of love, but this love leads us to the promise of eternal life that I'm talking about. Although there are many, many promises out there from Old Testament to New Testament, Promises that we read of, Jeremiah 29, 11, for example, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. There's many promises in the New Testament, and we know that all things work together for, the, for, for those who love God, who are called according to, the, to this promise. Romans 8, 28, then Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are many promises, but today I want to talk about a promise that started from the very beginning. This promise was laid up for us, but I think that we've gotten so comfortable that we just pass right by every time the Lord lays it up there for us. Take a look at this video. I can't see over the, the ledge here. This is so weird. It's moving with us. 
go through it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Ah! What does it mean? We did it. We dropped ah. it. Has that ever happened to you? I don't mean have you ever driven through a rainbow. I don't think I've ever driven through a rainbow. I'm talking about have you ever gotten that excited about seeing the promise of the rainbow laid up for you and me? Have we? Have we gotten that excited over seeing the promise of God when he baptized this world due to wickedness and said he'd never do it again as a promise for you and me? I was driving the other day with my wife. We were driving, um, it was at the end of May, and, and, and um, I remember it was my Sabbath. It was the last, my last Sabbath of the month, and, and, and I was driving, and you know, we get these sun showers in Florida, and for like a second or two, and this rain just came down with the sun shining bright, and then all of a sudden, I saw this rainbow. And I believe it was supernatural because it just stood out to me. It was right there in front of me. It almost looked like a flag. It was rectangular, big, the colors were wide, I was looking at it, and I remember saying, wow, Lord, that's big. And I kept driving, like a good Christian, kept driving. I bent the corner, went around, and then I saw the same rainbow off at a distance, still close, and then I saw one similar to the back left. There was a, like a back left and a bottom right, and then I asked the question, I said, Lord, why do you show me these two rainbows as I'm driving. And I'll never forget what the Lord said to me. He said, I'm showing you these two rainbows because I couldn't get your attention with just one. It broke me. It, it broke me. Now, I want to try to give you some scripture because it seems nowadays that everything seems to offend everyone. And if I don't tie enough scripture in, then you might get upset. So I'm going to, you see, it seems, it's, it's like nowadays anything you say, even in truth and in love, still offends. I, what's going on? Our lead pastor said something recently at one of our staff meetings, powerful. He said, how our freedom of speech is under assault. You see, people don't want truth or repentance, they want to pass. He said, let's stop apologizing and start sacrificing. You see, this covenant promise that we see every time a little bit of dew rains from heaven, it's the very sacrifice that it all started with in the very beginning. It started with a sacrifice, church. Let me prove it to you. Genesis 8, go with me. Genesis 8, chapter, verses 15 through 21. Listen, I'm going to give you a ton of scripture, but I would encourage you, go back and read the manual. Genesis 6, Genesis 7, Genesis 8, Genesis 9. Read the story of the ark, Noah, and his family. Genesis 8, verse 15 through 21. I'll read fast, so listen with me fast, okay? Verse 15, you got it, everybody? If you got it, everybody say amen. amen. All right, amen. 
Verse 15, it says, then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Verse 19, every animal, every crawling thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every kind of clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Listen to me, Noah didn't have a whole lot to give after the flood, okay? He was out there five, six months hanging out, floating on water. There was nothing out there in the land. When the water started to recede, the very first thing he does is make a sacrifice with the very little that he has. Listen, he sacrificed before God one of every kind of clean animal. If you read in Genesis 7, there is a powerful moment there when God says, you see, we, we've been taught that, that the Lord loaded the ark and asked for Noah to, to load the ark in twos. Well, that's partially true. He had two of every unclean animal, but he had them in twos, but in sevens of every clean animal. He had two unclean, in a sense, animals are a little dirty anyways, but he had them unclean so that then we can eat from them. But the seven, I believe by way of revelation, was because if there's a pair, they reproduce. There's another pair, they reproduce. There's another pair, they reproduce. That's six. But the seventh is laid up for the sacrifice. The Lord knew what was coming ahead of time, and he prepared ahead of time because he loves us that much. So Noah comes out with the very little he has and he begins to sacrifice a burnt offering unto the Lord. Verse 21, he says, then the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of men, for the intent of men's hearts is evil from his use. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. Church, can I ask you a question? If we don't make the sacrifice, tell me how do we love and lead people into the promise? Let me ask you again, if we don't make and begin to make the sacrifice, how do we love and lead people back into the promise of God? The Lord hadn't even laid the rainbow yet and Noah is sacrificing. What do we have to sacrifice to love people back to the promise? Is it pride? Is, is it shame? What do we have to sacrifice? Genesis 9 verse 1. Genesis 9 verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Noah is given the same commandment as Adam and Eve had been given. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Why is this important? Because God wasn't just saying be fruitful and multiply in numbers, but he was saying be fruitful and multiply in my image. 
He's saying, be fruitful and multiply in my character. Be fruitful and multiply in my love. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what we're called to do. The more sons and daughters that God has, the more of the image of God will multiply on earth. It is our duty as sons and daughters. Let's jump down to verse 11. Verse 11 says, I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be eliminated by the waters of a flood, nor shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is in you for all future generations. He says, I have set my rainbow, not your rainbow, my rainbow, he says. I have set my rainbow in the cloud. I have set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall serve as a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I make a cloud appear over the earth that the rainbow will be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the rainbow is in the cloud, then I will look at it, says the Lord, to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh on the earth. Listen to me. The rainbow is two-sided. One side is the promise of God and the other one is judgment. One side is the promise of God, the other one is judgment. Listen, we are now in what we call Pride Month. You see, while they think they are wearing pride, they are actually wearing the judgment side of the rainbow and if we don't start to love them now, then how are we going to love them into the promise, church? How? Listen to me, listen, listen, listen to me. I don't, listen, I want to be effective. I'm not trying to be offensive. I don't want, I want to be effective. I don't want to be offensive. But do you think that I'm here today to talk about the LGBT as much as I'm here to talk about the wickedness and sin? I'm not here to talk about the LGBT as much as wickedness and sin. I'll prove it to you. Genesis 6, 5 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wickedness has crept in. Wickedness. Are we living just as in the days of Noah, church? Are we living in similar times, church? Listen, they are not our enemy. In fact, they are actually us. You see, well, pastor, you might say, well, pastor, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know anything about that lifestyle. I've never lived in that lifestyle. I don't know anybody in that lifestyle. Let me say, don't raise your hands, but how many people do you know are living in sin by way of fornication and cohabitation? How many people you know? How many family members do we know? How many friends do we have them? And listen, I have them too. They are us. How do we look at sin? 
Church, how do we look at sin? From the ground up? Is this how we look at sin? Or do we look at it like God from a heavenly perspective top down? We're a side to side. I had a conversation with a friend years ago that he said, and we'll just say Billy, his son, he thought he was in a gay lifestyle to come to find out his son actually lost his virginity. And, and he was happy about it that he was not in the gay lifestyle. And I thought to myself for a moment, are we celebrating that he is not gay or the fact that he's committed fornication and sin? What are we celebrating? What? It's sin. It's wickedness. I, I, I can't celebrate this. It's not one side or the other. It's us. It's your family, my family, and my friends, your friends. Listen, I'll prove it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. 1 Corinthians, write it down, 6, 8 through 11. Verse 8, on the contrary, you yourselves do wrong and defraud, and this is to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that the unrighteous, the wicked, will not inherit the kingdom of God? If that was it, that would be good enough. But then he goes on and says, do not be deceived. It's almost as though the word of God is saying, I'm urging you, borderline begging you, don't be deceived. And he, he, gives, he brings clarity. He says, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. We're idolizing so much nowadays. We look at, bring, put that back up for me. We, we, we look at sin and we say, well, at least I'm not living in this lifestyle. I'm just coveting stuff. He says, no adulterers, no homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those that are habitually drunk keep getting twisted. Nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers. I have to look this one up. I mean, I have an idea, but swindlers, counterfeit, frosters, fakes will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. That's some of you and some of me. We were sanctified and washed and cleared and cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Church, what happened? What happened when we were once the light of the community? Marriage was created by Yahweh, the God of the Bible, our God. He defined it as one biological man and one biological woman. He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. You can look that up in Genesis 2, Matthew 4, Matthew 19. It's all throughout the Bible, okay? It's not my words. It's his words. I can't change his word because he is the creator of heaven and earth. So when I start to alter his word, then I put my own agenda and my own view, and now I shift the culture based on what I think is right. In the age that we are living in, an anti-Christian movement is seeking to redefine our beliefs as Christians. Not my beliefs, but ours. Some of the attempts to redefine marriage you have heard and may even recognize. Here's one for you. Marriage is just a piece of paper. Why do we need a piece of paper to define how we love each other? It's just a piece of paper, right? 
the concept of common law in marriage, right? Where if you live together long enough in a state, then the state says, y'all are married. I'm going to just ride this thing out, man. Culture says that love is love, so culture says that marriage is based on emotion. But this is not how God defined it, and as he defined it as a covenant, not simply an emotion. It's a covenant. The enemy cannot stand the joy of a marriage covenant, and even in the union between one man and one woman. You see, when you come together in holy matrimony, you become one. Okay? I like to call it getting your worship on. You see, when I come in union with my spouse, when we come together in holy matrimony, we seal that covenant and we worship God because we're honoring his word. So the two then become one. Well, why is this such a threat for the enemy? Well, you as one are a threat already as a redeemed man or woman of God, as a son or as a daughter, as an heir. But two in one, oh my goodness. That little joker is thinking, oh my goodness, this is double the trouble. You see, generational curses from our ancestors and even ourselves have been and are now still being transferred into the next, generational, the next generation by many forms of sexual immorality. We are transferring things into the next generation because we haven't dealt with it. Wickedness. See, a lot of times people think, well, man, he's a pastor. He must have it all together. You see, in my home, in my family, divorce was prevalent. I had to endure divorce because generations that went before me operated in sexual immorality and wickedness, amongst other things, so then I had to endure it. But guess what? I severed that bloodline, that generational curse through Jesus Christ. You see, there's a religious trend going on as well that we are to look the part, play the part, and even speak the part. We learn that Christian behavioral patterns only to hide the sin that's besetting us. We talk the talk, we walk the walk, it's a pattern. It's a behavioral thing that we do to kind of hide our sin. Expose it, and then the enemy can't use it against you. My, my niece, God, I love her to pieces. It's, listen, it's in our family. We know people. My niece, I love her to pieces. She, she'd, uh, she'd been with a, a, a guy, a good, a good man. I can justify it for you, a good man. He essentially adopted her daughter has been raising her, they've been cohabitating. She got pregnant, she called me, she said, you know, Theo, I, you know, I, I need to get married. I wanna get married. I said, listen, if you're serious, this is what you do. Go get your marriage license. You, you wanna do this, let's do this thing right, let's get it, let's, let's do it. I've been processing with her and it's just been a process. On Father's Day, she calls me up, she said, Theo, what you doing? I said, I hope I'm having a wedding. She's been living with a good man, pregnant. She said, Theo, I don't want to bring this child in in sin. 
She, she called me. I, I, said, I said, I'm coming over. She said, no, I'll, I'll come to you. She came to my house. My wife puts her veil on her, gives her a bouquet. I mean, we're just putting stuff together. I find my, 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 uh, my jacket when I got married, and, and, and I found another one. I put it on him. My wife comes up with this thing. I never heard of it. Something new, something old, something blue. I, I, I mean, she is, ladies and gentlemen, my better portion. And I'm like, who cares about that? Let's just get this thing going. Listen, how bad do we want it? We say, well, that's, that's kind of a cool story. My niece was having contractions in three centimeters. Here's a picture of her. She said, maybe this baby will come now because I'm ready. My great niece, she's seven going on 16. You know, she's a little girl. But she knows salvation. She knows the fullness of Christ. And she said to me, Theo, I want you to baptize me. Listen to me, church. An unforgiven sin is actually an unconfessed sin. An unforgiven sin is an unconfessed sin. Sometimes we hold back things that we should be releasing onto God, and they hold us down in generations. You see, maybe you are a part of that generational transfer. Maybe you've passed on some things you shouldn't have passed on. Maybe some things came to you. Maybe, maybe it's time for us to start standing in the gap. You see, that generational bloodline stopped with me. You see, I stood in the gap. A gap is simply standing where there's been a breach. I stood up in the gap and I said, no more will that come in here. It has to go through me. Standing in the gap. So here's what I want us all to do. I want us all to stand. I want us all to stand. I'm going to make this as simple as possible because you see, sometimes there are things that beset us and we won't even make our way up to the altars. You see, maybe there's been something that has crept in because of a generational curse from previous and you gotta stand in the gap. Maybe you're operating in some sort of sexual immorality today. Listen, there's no shame. I'm not, I'm not shaming you. I live that lifestyle. I know it all too well. Maybe you say, well, you know what, Pastor? I got married already. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things right. But have you confessed your previous sin? Have you released that before God? Have you repented for the sexual immorality from our younger days? Because if not, you're bringing that in to your spouse and to your children. I want us to to pray this prayer, this corporate prayer. I'm going to put it up.
And I want us to, to say this together. Listen, with all heart, all focus, all passion, if you've fallen short in any of those areas that I've mentioned, not just mentioned, but read scripture in 1 Corinthians, then that's you. So let's read this together. Say, Father God, I thank you that Jesus' blood was shed so that I can be forgiven of all my sins. I come before you now and ask you to forgive my ancestors of all sexual sins, and I personally repent and ask you to forgive me for all sexual sins I have committed against you. I ask you to break all soul ties and cancel any consequences or curses that have resulted from sexual sins in my family line. I choose today that as you are holy, I will live a holy life before you. Cleanse me and my family of all unrighteousness and fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, come on, get it off you. Get it off you. I mean, get it off you. Just get it off you. Let me pray this over you. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Your word says in 1 John 1, 9 that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I therefore decree and declare that you are cleansing our bloodlines of all unrighteousness due to sexual sin. I command all spirits of sexual perversion, lust, addiction, pornography, confusion, guilt, shame, defilement, rejection to go now in Jesus' name. I declare that all soul ties are broken generationally and in every person's life. I declare that everyone's past and heritage is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I decree and declare in accordance to John 8, 36, who the Lord sets free is free indeed. As I ask you, Lord, to fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us the grace and strength to live a life that is holy unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Said I'm a land of plane here. My my niece knows Christ. She got things right. Three days later, her husband now calls me. He says, man, I, he sends me this text. Forgive me. He says, I had this moment. I can only say it was some sort of an encounter with God. I'm so emotional. Then I make it to work, and for two hours, this guy says, there's something different about you and talks to me about God. He says, I know you're busy. He says, but man, if you get a moment, give me a call. I'm in the middle of a storm heading down to South Shore. I give him a call. Make the long story short. He accepts Jesus Christ on the phone. Powerful. That's why I love what I do. So I don't know if if that's you online. If that's you here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, listen, it's not magical, it's transformational. God wants to restore his flock, his sheep back together. If you haven't accepted him today, if you want to rededicate your life, listen, all together, I want us to say this prayer like I explained it to him. 
It's a love sacrifice. You got to surrender all of you. Like he surrendered all of him for you. So say this with me. Say, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I have fallen short, but you sent your only son to die on the cross so that I can have eternal life and be sinless. Lord, I repent. Forgive me. Come into my life. Lead me and guide me all of my days. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from campus pastor Hector Rivera. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch where you can watch all of our messages on demand and live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in the App Store or Google Play Store. There you can see upcoming events, follow along with our message notes, and more. Thanks for joining us, and we can't wait to worship with you next weekend.